Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. Wow. There definitely feels there is a weight about our service today. Um, that there is, you know, sometimes you come on a Sunday and you think, wow, God's saying something today that we need to, like, we need to listen every Sunday, but it feels like it's, it's almost louder this week. So I just want to continue on with that theme, really, as we go about to what we're doing today. Well, today we are continuing on our series on worship. Last Sunday, Pastor Steve kicked us off. It was a fantastic message. I would encourage you. Make sure you do go and listen to that message. Watch it back if you haven't seen it already. Um, I've often said to uh, Dad, if you don't know, there's a revelation. Pastor Steve is my dad. Uh, I've often said to Dad that if he does eventually write a book, because he's often talked about writing a book, one of the topics I think he could write on fantastically is worship. So just, you know, a little underline, full stop there. Make sure you go and back and listen to that message Uh, because it was fantastic. We also recorded a little podcast. Me, Byron, and Steve sat down and recorded a podcast. So if you do want to get some more content about this, then that's also available on YouTube. And this is the final ad before I actually start preaching. Uh, Uversion. Get yourself on Uversion if you want to follow along. There's some Bible verses on there, and my points are there. Great. Well... Today we're joined by all our locations, so we've got Berry here, we've got Colchester, we've got online and we're also here in Cambridge. And I just want to give you a little note here to say, today I'm requiring some audience participation. Some audience participation, so be looking out for that. We're going to be getting to that towards the end of the message. Uh, just warm up your vocal cords, okay? Just be getting prepared and be ready because we're, we're going to be doing an active demonstration. And I think this could be a really cool moment because we're going to be in unity across all our locations as we do this together. So look out for that uh, later on. Uh, I want to start with a little story. Many of you see me here on this platform now and you think, oh, I've known him since he was a little, little lad. Many of you have seen me mostly as an adult. Some of you have no idea who I am. Um, but in my 33 years of living on this planet, I've been involved in a wide variety of different worship expressions. I've been involved with worship services from musicians from all over the UK, from further beyond. I've played in churches all up and down the country. I've begun playing here at the uh, C3 church in the worship team at the age of 12. And um, I also attended a biblical studies and music college, and I'm now employed as the creative pastor with responsibility for overseeing the creative teams within the church, when a big part of that encompasses worship. Why are you getting my CV this morning? Uh, Well, because as much as I have worshipped and I have learnt about worship, in in actual fact, it, it makes me aware of how much more I have to learn about it of how much more that I have to learn about worshipping our King, worshipping our Saviour, and that we're only scratching the surface of how we can give God glory. Today we're going to be looking at why worship, why worship, and specifically why do we worship the way that we worship? Why do we worship in the way that we worship? For me, it's fundamental that we look at the origins of this when we talk about worship. 
And so we're going to be taking a little look today, right at the beginning in Genesis, uh, at the moment where the first time the word worship appears in the Bible. So uh, it should come up on the screen, but we're going to be reading from Genesis 22, which is Abraham and Isaac. And uh, it's, it's a pretty heavy passage of scripture. Uh, I feel like it needs a little warning here as we go into it. And this is what it says. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It will be provided. This is a well-known principle in scripture, the principle of the first mention. And in Genesis, this is, as I've already said, the first mention of the word worship. This is what it says, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. This is the context of the first time worship is mentioned in the Bible. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. This picture in scripture is not singing. It's not dancing. It's not any form of creativity. In order for us to worship God, It must be required to sacrifice. John 4, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worship the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. That is that God requires our whole being, and our whole being means that we sacrifice something in order to offer him worship that is worthy of who he is. This for me is where I can get into a little bit of murky ground as a preacher. An easy win in this moment would be for me to say, well, 
you should all sing louder because you need to sacrifice more, or you should do this, but it's way more nuanced than fact because actually it's a way higher standard than that. It's not just about singing, it's about everything. It's about every single thing. See, worship, sacrificial worship, is not prescriptive. This is to say it is different for every single individual. One person's sacrifice could be another one's convenience. So it is different for every single person. When we approach God, we approach him as ourselves, and therefore we must all approach him in our true, authentic self, our true, authentic self. And that's not like a comment on culture, but that is this. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This is a great passage. See, whenever I think about worship, whenever I think about going into some sort of context where I'm going to be leading people in worship, I can't help myself but start to think about this passage of Scripture because it's so helpful in giving us a picture of how we should approach God. And that is this, Psalm 139. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It gets in your face. It gets in your face because it's like saying, God, come in and give me a good scrub. Give my heart a real good scrub and see that there is no offensive way within me because I want to come before you repentant and hungry to worship you. This leads me on to my second point. If we read back in Genesis 22, Abraham was faced with an impossible task. With an impossible task. I want you to empathize with what Abraham was faced with. I want you to really think, how do I put myself in Abraham's shoes? See, if you knew anything about Abraham, you would know this. You would know that Abraham and Sarah had struggled to conceive that they'd had a whole journey, that Abraham had had his name changed from Abraham to Abraham, and until God, at that point, he hadn't been able to conceive a child, and then God, when he changed his name, was promising him that he would be the father of many nations. And so he knew all of this. He knew all that was going on. He'd seen all of this difficulty and hardship that he's gone through, and yet he was still prepared to be obedient to our God. See, my, my son Caleb is a joy. In fact, every single night before he goes to bed, we have this thing. He's sat on the front row, so he's going to be listening. We have this little routine that we do every single night as a way of, you know, I just want to encourage him and speak some things into his life. And it goes a little bit like this. Caleb! He's not going to do it. What are you? The best. Caleb, what are you? A precious boy. Caleb, what are you? A joy bringer. Caleb, what are you? Strong and brave. Caleb, what do you have? A different spirit. And where's it from? The Bible and granddad. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Love you. See, he's our joy bringer. He has an ability, like many children do, to change the atmosphere and bring Joy. So I want to proclaim and prophesy that over his whole life. But I could not imagine waking up one morning and hearing from God and he says, Josh, here I am, Lord. Take your son and sacrifice him as a mean of worship to me. 
I couldn't do it. I genuinely would be like, whoa, no, like, that's it, I'm done. No more a Christian, I'm going my own way. Like, because that's the level of sacrifice that our God has asked Abraham in this moment. And yet, that's not where we stay. We don't stay in Abraham's sacrifice's son and we learn all about child sacrifice in the Bible. No, that's not what we hear. We have God provided a ram. God provided a ram, which is a picture of something that is yet to come that we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the message. I love that it says this in the scripture. Abraham says, here I am. He says it a couple times through this passage as if to say, yep, God, I'm, I'm ready. And we don't read any of the thoughts of what's going on in Abraham's mind, but he's just there going, here I am, God. Here I am. I'm ready. Here I am. Because my second point is this. Worship requires obedience. Worship requires obedience. Abraham took his most precious possession, the symbol of God's promise to him, the fulfillment of years of anguish. In fact, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born because it had taken so long for him to have a child with Sarah. And yet he was prepared to be obedient to God and to lay down to him what he asked of him. See, even last Sunday, Pastor Steve mentioned that for some of us, our children can become an object of our worship, and yet this flies in the face of that and says, no, we should be prepared to lay down everything. And that leads me on to my next point, and that is this. Abraham was prepared. Abraham was prepared. Worship requires preparation. See, Genesis 22, verse 3, he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Abraham had risen early, had brought servants with him, the donkeys and the resources that he needed to worship God. I think we so often underestimate the importance of coming prepared to worship. So often underestimate it. So you think we can turn up going through the motions. Oh, I've made it. Well done. Tick the box. But actually, we need to be coming prepared. This had taken Abraham. It wasn't just something that he had just got up and it was ready. He'd journeyed to be able to do this. He'd got his servants. He'd got his donkey. He'd got his resources ready to be able to worship God. We spend a lot of time talking about worship. We've spent a lot of time now. And we have not even mentioned singing yet. I've not even mentioned singing yet. And we can't really carry on without mentioning music, without mentioning singing. Um, And yes, there is other ways to worship God, but singing is important. Do you think maybe we can sometimes overstate singing? Well, I think no. In fact, this is a classic preacher thing to do, and I've done it today. Uh, The Bible mentions singing over 400 times, 400 times. We have the book of Psalms as an excellent guidebook for singing to God. In fact, Psalm 100 is an often quoted psalm that is extremely helpful for us when we talk about the way in which we should approach God. It helps us in how we craft our services. It helps us in how we enter into praise and worship. This is what Psalm 100 says. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. 
Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It's he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It helps us to frame how we should approach God with praise, with thanksgiving. One of the things that I remember so clearly doing when I was at music and Bible college was this, that we would, every week, a couple of few times a week, particularly at the beginning of the week, we'd gather as a college and we'd spend time worshipping together. And the thing that they said is, let's just not sing any songs right now. And let's try and imagine what, what ways can you sing about God or can you talk about God? What attributes can you conjure up of God that you've never said to him before? What characteristics can you say of God? What, uh, what words can you use to praise our God in a fresh way, in a new way that you've never done before? Because it's a lifelong pursuit for us to continue to worship God in a way that is fresh, that is new, that doesn't just allow us to go through the motions, but to find new words, new ways, new uh, things that we can say to be able to give glory and to worship our God. See, I still do it. Whenever I stand uh, in worship, I think, God, how can I say, what can I say of you that's different? How can I come before you in a way that's fresh? Because we don't want to come on a Sunday and just offer, you know, what's last week's worship, but we want to offer him something that's pleasing to him this week. We want to have a worship service that blesses his name in a way that may be new and fresh because we serve a God who is worthy of all our praise and all our adoration. See, I stand there and I think, God, what can I say today? Uh, God is big. Yeah, no, we've done that one before. God is great. Yeah, we've done that one before. Um, what can I come up with? You know, one that every now and again I seem to forget, and I love saying this, you know, every now and again it kind of comes back into mind. God, you're the God of the angel armies. What cool thought is that? God, you're the God of the angel armies. And just finding different ways to be able to say, this is who you are, God. This is who you are, because I want to give you praise and I want to give you thanksgiving, because it's a lifelong pursuit. What's our example in Scripture? Well, David is a fantastic example in Scripture of how we should approach with reverence, how we should approach our God. David teaches us so many things about how we should be singing, our attitude of excellence, the things that we should do to prepare. Uh, and it's, it's such a great picture. And I want to I delve a little bit into some of this, talking about the importance of singing when we look at uh, it in what David talks about in, in Chronicles. There's a tension that we have that you can see within Chronicles is in that every single person, person can sing and can worship God. And yet also we can see through Chronicles some people are, have a special ability to be able to do that because it says in there clearly that David had set some people apart as the people who were kind of employed to do those things within the temple. 
And I'm not going to delve through all the lists because it is long. There is lots of long instructions. There is ways that we can talk about. And I know Byron's going to touch on some of this next Sunday. Um, But I would encourage you, if you do want to go and think, wow, how can I kind of develop and grow and continue to get my understanding of what it means to worship? 1 Chronicles 15, all around it, is a great passage of Scripture for you to be able to go and to learn more about it. Special mention for 1 Chronicles 15, 22. Uh, Kenaniah, the head Levite, was chosen as the choir leader because of his skill. Because of his skill. See, this is a tension we come across in church all the time. You know, the heart is enough. Well, yeah, the heart is enough. And yet, it also isn't enough because clearly God requires sacrifice, preparation, and obedience. And we can put those things into our music into our singing, into our skill and how we want to give God glory through our abilities that he's given us that we use to give him glory. And what do we know about our God? What about singing? What do we know about him? What does the Bible say about it? What does it say about our togetherness in singing? Well, this is what we know. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with Singing, He will rejoice over you with singing. Zephaniah 3. Our God is a singing God. Our God is a singing God. And what do we know? We're made in his image and likeness. Therefore, we're a singing people. So to say I'm a Christian and to not sing is not possible. It's not possible. And you should have got that by now, by you know, attending one Sunday service. But singing is important because when we're singing, we're joining in with heaven. We're joining in with the chorus that is worshipping God. Andrew Wilson says this, singing unites living creatures with inanimate creation. Sometimes people talk about their desire to be or their experience of being connected to everything with this sense that they and the world are in harmony and everything is lined up together. Phrases like that are often used about traveling to remote places or smoking weed. But from a biblical point of view, the best way to get connected to everything in the cosmos is to sing. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Let the sea soar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. If that all sounds a bit hyperbolic to you, bear in mind that on the one occasion Jesus was asked about people singing too loudly, he replied that if the people didn't, then the rocks would cry out instead. That the rocks would cry out instead. It's at this point in our service that I want to get a little bit practical. I want to get a little bit practical. I want us to paint a picture of unity together right now. I'm a little bit nervous, because you've got to all play ball, otherwise this is going to (laughs) bomb. We're going to do this across all of our locations right now. So what I really want you to do is, I want to split you up into three sections. I know that in Berry and Colchester, you're also going to have to work out without someone there directing you so much. So you're also going to have to split yourself into three sections across uh, the congregation there. And what we're going to do is we're going to sing together. We're going to sing together. And I'm going to break down a chord. Very simple. And we're going to sing a harmony. 
Because one of the ways that uh, is such a great picture of unity is harmony, because harmony is multiple uh, frequencies together that make a pleasing sound. So uh, I've got the band have come and joined me. Thank you very much. We did prepare this in advance. And I want three sections. So this here is section one. This here is section two. And this here is section three. You, you with me? Yeah. Section one, two, and three. And I want you to sing ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And we're going to sing different notes. So could I have, do you want to do it in A or C? C is good. I want a C. Can you play me a C? Just the notes. So ooh. Section two. Keep it going, keep it going. Ooh. Section two. Play an E. Ready? E. Ooh, e, ooh. Section three, you're going to sing a G. Come with a G. E, keep it going, come on. Let's try and make it louder. Ooh. Right, now, little section at the front. You've got to sing loud, and I want you to sing a seventh. So can we have a B? Ah. Yeah. Ooh, ah. That sounds cool. Right, come on, louder, louder, louder. Ah. Now everybody sing a C together. Ah, and stop. How cool was that? Come on, round of applause. Why did I do that? Well, one thing, and Byron, Byron kind of put me onto this, the only moment in our service where we're doing something together quite often in unison is when we're singing. So our, one of our only moments in a service is together where we're cohesive in one voice in unity is our singing. And so we mustn't underestimate the importance of our singing. I think even in the way that we've been created, God has been gracious to us. When we sing, when we sing, we have endorphins released, which make us feel happy, which make us feel better about everything. You know, there's a phenomena that happens when choirs sing together that their heartbeats start to align a little bit because their breathing starts to come into sync. So there's a picture of unity in their sound, but also unity in their heart, in their body, as a picture of what's going on. In the book that I have here, Sing, by Keith and Christian Getty, they say this, one of the ways the word of Jesus can dwell in us richly is for us to sing it to one another. We are commanded to sing the word of God. The truth revealed in the scriptures, the story of redemption, fundamentally we're to sing about God revealed in Christ and supremely in his suffering and his glory, since that's what the word of God is all about. Abraham and Isaac, God provided a ram. God provided a ram. God provided a lamb, Jesus. God provided a lamb, Jesus. There's, there's a picture there of the fulfillment that was to come in our Saviour, Jesus, as he came down to sacrifice himself. A true act of obedience, a true act of sacrifice. And we worship Jesus through Jesus to our God. He is the funnel that we have attained salvation. Uh, it's just, just mind-blowing to me that this is that we get to do every single week. We get to gather together and we get to worship church. We get to gather together and we get to worship. 
If you need a justification to get out of bed every single morning, to come, to join us online, to join us wherever you are, if you're in prison joining us right now, if you need a justification to be able to sing, then this is it. See, there is significance about singing together because we're here to gather to sing songs together and yet we glorify God and yet we encourage one another as we do it. We encourage one another. So it's like there's fringe benefits to our worship. So the reason we worship is to worship God. Yet in His grace, in His mercy, as we sing Scripture, we encourage one another. So therefore, you've got a part to play. Your voice needs to be heard amongst the people because one, you're encouraging yourself, but also you're encouraging your brother and your sister who are standing beside you. So if you ever think, oh, what's the point in singing? Then there's your point because God created you to do it. He commands you to do it. And yet you can do it to encourage one another and to glorify God at the same time. How many levels and multifacets is that, that our God has created us in such a way that we get to do this thing singing, which benefits us and yet gives Him glory and gives Him worship. We all have a choice. We all have a choice. We are called to command to sing together and we can choose not to do it. But I would encourage you, sing, because He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our adoration. I think as a result of this series, I felt like God prompted me this morning and there's people who are gonna be in our congregation who said, I will never raise my hand. I will never raise my hand. I will never be demonstrative in worship. Who as a result of hearing today, not through any sort of condemnation, not through any sort of like coercion, but because there's a willingness to say, yeah, I wanna be fully engaged giving God glory with my whole self. You know, David, it says, when the Ark of the Covenant returned, when it came to the city of David, to Jerusalem, that David danced with all his might, that he was undignified in his worship because his fix was not on the people of the world, but it was on his King, his Saviour. So why don't we become a people that are like that, more undignified in our worship? We can encourage one another through our worship. We can give Him glory through our singing, through our demonstration of praise. People are gonna say, God, forgive me because Your Word commands me to sing and I have not opened my mouth. I will open my mouth. I will choose to give You praise, to give You glory, and to give You worship. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing together. Why don't we all stand in this moment, church? Thank You, Jesus, that we can worship You. Thank you that we can sing to you. Thank you for your grace. We want to give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Why don't we do some singing together? Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. If this message has spoken to you today in some way, we would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the C3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to thec3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon.